Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. It's good to be here, Dan. All right, Chris, let's jump right into it. Uh, we're already here in the midst of earnings season, and we've seen you know roughly 70 companies or so in the S&P have reported. Um, any trends that you're seeing out there in the earnings reports that you can share? Yeah, EPS on a year-over-year basis so far is down about 6 or 7%, and that compares to estimates of up 6% on a year-over-year basis for Q1 and, and similar growth for Q2. Clearly, some of the weakness has already been priced in as the market had sold off coming into earnings season. And we're seeing kind of mean reversion. So we're seeing in the financials, you know, we're starting to see uh, reserves for credit losses build back up where they've been released for the last couple of years. Uh, Supply chains are still a major issue. And while I think companies have gotten better at workarounds in addressing some of these supply chain issues, you know, the recent shutdown in China is going to exacerbate these challenges for the next couple of quarters. And we're also seeing a decline in goods consumption. You know, as we've pointed out, the stimulus payments that occurred in in 2020 and 2021 drove the largest increase in personal income we've seen. Uh, And that's despite the the economy being shut down, and it was used for goods consumption. So uh, both durable goods and and more consumer-oriented goods are seeing fairly sizable declines, and I think those trends are going to remain in place. You know, for the year, estimates are still for S&P earnings to grow 9% on a year-over-year basis. That clearly is not going to happen. And so I think as we continue to move through earnings season, we'll see estimates being brought down not just for Q2, but for the entire year. And so, you know, as we look out here, we're in, uh, in getting towards the end of April, and you know, much of the, the sharp sell-off that we saw in the equity markets has reversed since the lows that we saw mid-March. Um, you know, do you think we, you know, we, or excuse me, we, we've discussed, you know, a material slowdown in economic growth and earnings and margins and margin headwinds that we developed in the second quarter. Um, you know, do you think this is a reversal in market sentiment and an indication of the worst market correction is behind us? Yeah, I actually don't think that's the case. I think all the market's done so far is react to the slowing and react to uh, the dislocations in the initial spike in commodities due to the sanctions on Russia industry and, and the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Um, yeah, certainly we saw a sell-off uh, as we would expect because liquidity conditions have tightened up. You know, interest rates uh, rose quite dramatically throughout the curve, and we've seen the curve flatten. I think the market is taking a little bit of comfort in the fact that oil prices and other key commodities have stopped moving higher, and they've pulled back in. And also, it's keying off the fact that we're starting to see uh, real impact on consumption. We're seeing much weaker home home data, which is a precursor to even weaker economic growth going forward. We're seeing much weaker uh, data in spot shipping rates. We're seeing much weaker data in orders um, and in small business sentiment. And so I think the market's saying, okay, look, we've already tightened up conditions enough that we're going to have a material economic slowdown. Therefore, the Fed won't have to do as much. We won't need materially higher interest rates. And as such, you know, we should be okay. We should have a soft landing. Um, that is, I think it's a little too early to make that call, number one. Number two, uh, we won't see the real impact on tighter Uh, financial conditions really until May and into June when the Fed actually starts shrinking its balance sheet. So that's still in front of us. And I still think we're going to see a much greater slowdown 
in second quarter than what's currently priced in. Because yes, we have tighter conditions hurting housing and consumption, but we still have a contraction in federal spending that's going to impact the market as well. So I expect things are going to get a little bit more difficult as we move through May and then move through the latter part of the second quarter. So, you know, follow up to that, you know, we've, we've had you know, a number of economists and Fed officials say that, you know, they do not expect a uh, U.S. recession despite the, the tightening monetary policy. Uh, but then, you know, just recently in the last 24 hours, we saw the Fed Governor Daly. You know, he indicated that the U.S. Um, does enter a recession. It would, should be or would be a, a shallow one. Um, you know, can, can you provide an update on the U.S. economic growth outlook based on the, the leading indicators that you follow? Yeah, I, I wish I had good news, but you know, the the data that we use and the service providers that we use that have been very prescient in the past show just a continued deterioration. In fact, the the growth in the U.S. economy specifically. There's been a general slowdown in industrial activity for well over a year, and it's now starting to broaden out into financial services and non-financial services. And that's despite the reopening, we're going to see ongoing slowdown. And, and just to remind listeners, you know, we have both short leading indicators, long leading indicators, and coincident indicators. And at a minimum, you'd want to see the longer leading indicators start to turn up to have a durable indication of a recovery. And that's just not happening. All three uh, time frames are showing weakness. Um, and we're on a trajectory here where we may, may in fact, have a recession. Uh, I don't know if it'd be as early as late 2022 or in 2023, but we're certainly headed for that with the current trajectory if we don't get a turnaround in growth expectations. And what about the idea of an inflation-induced recession, right? So, you know, yeah. we've discussed, you know, many times while the rate of change is beginning to slow, inflation has peaked, um, yeah. but we're seeing, you know, absolute levels are, are still elevated. You know, do you think that is enough to potentially push the U.S. into a, uh, U.S. economy into a recession itself? Yeah, you know, the interesting thing is if you look at the spike we've had in oil prices just in and around, year to date in and around both tightening supply and demand dynamics as well as the impact of Russia, Russia's invasion on Ukraine, um, it would typically have been sufficient to put the U.S. in recession. However, because we had so much excess fiscal stimulus and the economy was growing at such a high nominal rate and a high real rate, um, we probably won't have a recession as it relates to this oil price spike. Should we get a further spike or a further slowdown? Uh, there's no question that we are now in negative real disposable earnings. So households, while they're having some income growth and un unemployment is very low, uh, that real income growth is now negative, And we're starting to see that impact uh, consumption. And, you know, it's, it's coming out in, in earnings. We saw it with Netflix where uh, their churn is picked up and people are canceling subscriptions because you cost a little bit more to put, fill up your car with gas. And so one more while we're talking about the economy, um, you know, interesting you know, note here, you know, we saw Delta this week, right? They, the Delta Airlines, they stated that they had their highest bookings ever. Um, and, you know, just to reiterate, that, you know, not just since the reopening trade, but ever, ever, yeah. right? So, you know, what, you know, what do you think this tells us about pent-up demand? And, you know, I'm using flights here as an anecdotal proxy, you know, fully recognize that. But, you know, do you think we may have a supply-side shortage inflation right here? Um, you know, if that's the case, you know, how long can we really expect a supply appropriately comes online? Yeah, yes, we do have... Um supply shortages that's driving a lot of the inflation we see. Um, but we're also at the point where we're dealing with those supply shortages rather quickly. And 
there's certainly pent-up demand for leisure travel. That's one of the areas that, despite a broader reopening of the economy uh, for the last 12 months or so, you know, you got to get into these spring-summer conditions before leisure activity picks up. And quite frankly, the population's gotten bigger in the last two years. So it's not surprising that, that Delta is seeing all-time highs in bookings and at the same time that we haven't even seen business travel come back. So there are going to be pockets of strength, but broadly, when you look at services, um, it's going to slow. And so Delta may be, see, may be seeing peak now. Um, I will be surprised if they are able to repeat that over the next 12 months. Um, so, you know, wouldn't be a uh, recent podcast if we don't touch on Russia, Ukraine, and, and, and commodities. So, you know, let's go do that. So, you know, you know as it relates to the, you know, the situation that we're seeing with, between Russia and Ukraine and, and its impact on the commodity markets, um, you know, we've seen oil prices cool off a little bit here, right? And the markets seem to be comfortable uh, with current supply-demand dynamics. And again, you know, just, this is despite the, the sanctions that we've placed on the, the Russian industry. Um, we've discussed in the past the risk of Russian oil coming off market, causing a spike in oil prices. You know, any update on the status of Russian oil production and then you know, whether that risk is now in the rearview rear mirror? Now, that, that risk is very much with us. Um, similar to the earlier discussion around monetary policy and is the worst behind us, and we still have QT in front of us that will be more dramatic than what we've seen in interest rate increases. You know, the, the world is still enjoying the benefit of the commodities that were in the supply chain. And so all of the sanctions haven't gone into effect. Uh, the easy, low-hanging fruit workarounds are, are in play. And But I think as we move through the, the rest of April, through May, and into June, it's going to be a tricky period. We're already seeing indications that Russian oil production is being shut in. We've seen Russian pipelines uh, stop accepting as much crude volume. We've seen refiners reduce refinery runs. The issue with Russia's infrastructure is lack of storage. And because of the self-induced embargo, uh, we've already taken probably a half a million barrels or so off the market and more are likely to follow. And there's real underlying logistical issues. So if Europe isn't going to buy Russian oil and it's going to be sold into Asia via India or China, well, that's a different type of ship that's used to transport that crude. It's a much bigger ship. Um, and those ships, quite frankly, can't access the Russian ports. So then you have to go to ship-to-ship -ship transfer, which takes much, much longer. So instead of, you know, a matter of weeks for product to leave a Russian oil field and make it to a European market or a world market, now we're going to talk about months. Um, and so I, I expect, you know, that risk is still very much with us. And we will see incremental barrels come offline as we move through this quarter and I can't stress enough how tight the market is in general for commodities. And there may be more to the, you know, the, the lockdowns we're seeing in, in Chinese cities than just COVID. Um, you know, they're very vulnerable to an oil price shock. So we're still fairly precarious. It's still very tight. Um, and it's something definitely investors need to keep on the radar. Good. All right, Chris, this is a good one. Uh, thank you for coming in, and we will have you back here in uh, short order. So Sounds good. Thank you very man. much. Talk soon. You bet. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson 
does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.